Psalm 119 from verse 161 to 176. Princes persecute me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgments. Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. Lord, I hope for your salvation, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips shall utter praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue shall speak of your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. Let your hand become my help, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and it shall praise you, and let your judgments help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Let's pray once more. Father, do hear us and help us. Do let your hand become our help this morning. Lord, for the preacher who depends upon you, the congregation gathered to hear your word who need your spirit, will you be with us to bless us as we come together under the truth, to speak it, to receive it, and to respond to it for the praise of your great grace. Hear us, O God, as we plead through Jesus Christ. Amen. If you look at some older pieces of precious metal, you will find a certain mark stamped into the bottom of them. That's because in the reign of Edward I, there was a lot of inauthentic metal being passed around as gold and silver. And so gold and silver had to be sent to the goldsmith's hall to be tested. And when it had been tested, when it had been found authentic, when it could be validated as genuine and pure, the mark of the hall was stamped into the metal so that you could be sure you were dealing with the real stuff. That hall mark is a language that we still use today to describe something that is genuine, something that is pure. When you see the hallmark of something or the hallmarks of something, that's when you know you're dealing with something that is authentic. What is the hallmark of Christianity? What is it that gets stamped into a declaration of love to prove that it is authentic, to show that it is both pure and genuine? The stamp is obedience. Obedience is the hallmark of Christian love. When we say that we love God, we keep his commandments. And so you can look at the life of any professing Christian and you can see whether or not it's an authentic 
Christian profession by whether or not the testimony of love is stamped with the hallmark of obedience. It has always been that way. In Genesis chapter 17, God said to Abraham, walk before me and be blameless, be perfect. Come before me, come into covenant with me. Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1. That is the the language that God uses. That's the, the terms of the engagement. I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. In Psalm 119 and verse 168, David now speaks to God and, as it were, reverses but echoes what God said to Abraham. I keep your your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. What is he saying? I am a child of Abraham. I walk by faith in obedience. As you commanded Abraham and those who descended from him, walk before me and be blameless. So here I am, O God. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. It is a testimony of relation to God and reverence for God as he speaks in his word. Now notice, it is not just that the word itself, what you might call the word on the page or the word on the scroll, it's not just the, these, these bits of ink that lie on the paper. It is the God who speaks this word. When David reads his Bible, when David reads his writings, it is the voice of God that David hears. And it is the eye of God that David feels. The living and true God is the one who is watching David. And David says, I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. The first thing there is a sincere declaration concerning David's obedience. I keep your precepts and your testimonies. Now, Only the Lord Jesus Christ could speak like that without any kind of restriction or qualification. Only Christ could say that he had never in any way thought, word, deed, inwardly or outwardly, at any point or to any degree, fallen short of the glory of God, had in any way never sinned against him according to the commandments that God had given. Christ could have said that, And he could have said it without any kind of restriction, any kind of qualification. In us, it is a testimony not of merit, but of grace. It is what a child of God can and should be able to say increasingly, and perhaps specifically with regard to some of the charges that are brought against us. So David says, princes persecute me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. And it may be that here David is saying, with regard to the things that I have been charged with, oh God, you know I keep your precepts and your testimonies. But there's an acknowledgement here of the bias of a heart that is remade in Christ Jesus. 
The instinct of a Christian is to know and do the will of God because we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. This is a, 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 a declaration of the development of the new nature. If David is writing this toward the end of his life, it's a, a testimony of the, the pattern to which he has now come. And perhaps you know, perhaps you have heard Older saints, maybe even on their deathbeds, at the end of a life of service, and they've been able to say without boasting, without claiming any untoward self-righteousness, I keep your precepts and your testimonies. I've lived before you. I've set a good example. I've been able to, to, to set the standard which others ought to follow. Here David speaks with sincerity and humility. He's saying, I go on bringing my thinking and my doing into conformity with your doctrines and directives. You have said this is true, and I labour to believe the truth. You have said, walk in accordance with the truth, and I turn my feet into your testimonies. This then is a, a, an active declaration. David loves the, Lord of God, the law of God. I hate and abhor lying, verse 163, but I love your law. Go back. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. How can I not be so diligent and so thoughtful when the God of heaven is speaking? When the Lord of glory makes his will known, I want to know it. It's not that I'm obliged to know it. When God speaks truth, I want to know what that truth is. When God says, this is the way, walk in it, my eager determination is to find and to follow that way. And then it's comprehensive. It's doctrine and it is uh, directive. It's faith and it's life. Nothing is excluded. Everything that God has spoken, David readily receives. If he doesn't know it, he wants to know it. If he does know it, he wants it to make a difference to him. As soon as I discern it, as soon as I plumb its depths, every degree further that I get into the truth helps me to know how I should think and how I should live. And it's willing. Again, it's a reflection of that delight I love your law. No one has to force me to obey. When I hear the preaching of your word, I don't go out, oh, I suppose I've got to do this this week. No, this is God speaking. This is the God of heaven making known the things that please him. And I, I am here because I want to know. I read my Bible because I am eager to discover. And I turn the pages of this book. I find not just the wisdom of God, but the God of wisdom. And he is speaking to me so that I may know what brings him delight. I do it increasingly. Have you not found, brothers, sisters, that there are things that you begin to feel in your conscience that you never once did? Or perhaps as you're studying the word of God, maybe it's family devotions, maybe it's your own private worship, maybe it's some exposition of the word of God and it feels like new layers are being peeled back, that truths that have always been true and always been there but that you never grasped, new dimensions of Christian obedience are being opened up to you. What do you say? 
Lord, forgive me that I never saw it. And forgive me that I haven't done it. But now I do. Now I understand. And now I want my life to be conformed to that also. So that by degrees the likeness of Christ is seen in me. And then consistently. Not in fits and in starts. Not just because you heard a sermon that seemed to stir you up in exhortation. Not just because there was some particular rebuke that a brother or a sister may have given you. Not just because the word of God seemed to come with unusual force on that particular occasion. And so for the next few hours or for the next few days or for the next few weeks or or while someone is watching, you keep going. But rather you, you press on. Isn't it wonderful to be able to speak like this? as we walk the pilgrim way or reach its end. And I I hope and I believe that some of us can say this in the same spirit in which David spoke. I keep your precepts and your testimonies. Lord, not as I wish to. Not as Christ did. Not perfectly, but sincerely, Honestly and humbly. When I know what you want, I set out to do it. I repent of every sin that is exposed by your precepts and your testimonies. And I take them each as a fresh direction in the way in which I should go. Don't you want to be able to lay your head down at the end of a day and to be able to say, Oh God, I keep your precepts and your testimonies. To come to the end of your life and to be able to say, Oh God, I have kept your precepts and your testimonies. I've left a a good savour behind me. The scent of my testimony still lingers in the air of the church to which I belong or the family of which you've made me a part. People can look at the way that I lived and the way that I spoke, the way that I loved my wife or my husband, the way that I cared for my children or respected my parents, the way that I engaged in the life of the congregation, the the witness that I bore in the community, the way that I went about my work, the way that I strove in my school studies. And I'd be able to say, imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ now what lies behind that kind of a testimony what are the the realities and the convictions that underpin such a a striking declaration I keep your precepts and your testimonies well David tells us his underlying conviction all my ways are before you All my ways are before you. And you can read back even over the last few verses. Princes persecute me without a cause. You know that. But my heart stands in awe of your words. You know that. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. You know that. I hate and abhor lying. But I love your law. And you know that. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous judgments. And you hear that. Great peace have those who love your law and nothing causes them to stumble. And you give that. Lord, I hope for your salvation and I do your commandments. And you understand that. 
My soul keeps your testimonies and I love them exceedingly. And you discern that. There is nothing hidden from David's God. Nothing that is hidden from the God of this man's salvation. And my friends, if we are to understand this underlying conviction, then we need to understand the reverence that David has toward God and the relationship that God has with David. Because it's possible to read that all my ways are before you and to become bitter and resentful and to feel oppressed. But that's clearly not David's spirit here. His spirit is one of eager affection toward God. What then does David have in mind when he says, all my ways are before you? The first is that this is a relationship of affection from God. This is affection from God. The God of heaven has his eye on his beloved child. Now, when fathers speak to children, they can speak in different tones. How do you hear the father speaking to his son here? I've got my eye on you. It's not quite the fatherly tone, is it? At least not usually. That's more the policeman. That's more the private detective. I've got my eye on you. I'm keeping a watch over you. Don't you hear it? Couldn't you hear it? Shouldn't we hear it more like this? Son, I've got my eye on you. Go on. Walk on. Press on. It's okay. I'm watching. As you go through some of these particular difficulties and challenges... As you face these troubles and these afflictions, you are under my loving care. As the temptations press in upon you, as the difficulties wash over you, as the accusations sound in your ears, I consider your affliction and I deliver you. For I do, you do not forget my law, turning around the language of verse 153. I will plead your cause and redeem you. I will revive you according to my word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek my statutes. But it is close to the righteous, for you keep my precepts and my testimonies. My friends, to think of your ways being before God should, first of all, remind you of divine affection toward you. It should also speak to you of communion with God. What did Amos say? How can two walk together unless they be agreed? And what is David's testimony? I agree, O oh God, with your precepts and your testimonies. Your law is a treasure to me. Your word is my delight. As I search through the scriptures, as I read through the law of Moses, I find you made known, your character revealed, your justice and your mercy declared, your great righteousness made known, your goodness in covenant with your servant Abraham, the promises that you have made that those who walk before you shall be blessed. And here I am, O God, known by you and knowing you I delight to please you you are my refuge and my strength 
So to say all my ways are before you is not just the language of divine affection, it's the language of divine communion. God knows his servant. God delights in his son. God draws near to his people and his people rest in his embrace. This then is the language of going along together of a God who comes near and who looks with interest, with engagement, with affection, with concern into the life of his beloved child. And it is also observation by God. David can say all this and open his heart to the Lord because the Lord knows all that is in his heart. The Lord sees what is in the hearts of his people. The Lord sees what is done by the hands of his people. The Lord knows the paths that are taken by the feet of his people. He knows it all and he delights in all that is good and he is displeased with all that is bad. It's not that this affection and communion mean that God somehow suspends his judgment. As a father with the child, there is love, there is closeness, and there is assessment. This is good, and this pleases me. This is not, and it displeases me. And David has that sense of relationship with and reverence to his God, his heavenly father. My God loves me cares for me, knows me, draws near to me, watches me, and watches over me. Now be honest, how does that make you feel? All your ways are before God. Everything that you have desired, everything that you have wished for, everything that you've pursued, everything that you've entertained, everything that you've watched, everything that you've heard, everything that you've said, everything that you've done. This week, last week. Does that make you uncomfortable? Does it make you resentful? Does it make you miserable? Do you feel like running away and hiding because God knows all that is in your heart, all that is in your mouth, all that is in your hand? Or does it make you peaceful and joyful and restful? And you might say, well, there's, there's a bit of discomfort because I have sinned. We're not dismissing that. But brothers and sisters, if this God is our God, for all our ways to be before him, that's a relief to us. That's a delight to us. He knows. He sees. He was with me. He was close to me. When I went through that particular time, when I went through that particular season of difficulty, that time when I was afraid, that time when I was confused, that time when someone was arguing with me, that time when someone was accusing me, 
that time when it all felt so unfair, that time when I was reading the scriptures, that time when I was pleading for mercy, that time when I was seeking to make his name known, that time when I was trying to act as a peacemaker. He knew it all. He saw me keeping his precepts and his testimonies. He saw when I fell short of that, but he saw my heart. He saw my intent. He saw my motivations. He saw my aims. He saw my desire to glorify his name. To a Christian, while the fact that all our ways are before our God includes that sense of a holy father looking upon the stumbling ways of his needy children. Look at verse 176. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. There's also that sense of peace, of rest, of joy, and of confidence. Lord, you know, nothing has been hidden from you. All my ways are before you. So what is the profitable application that you and I should take from this? If we are seeking to speak with David, that sincere declaration... If we are living like David, that underlying conviction, what difference should it make? Let me give you an application by way of instruction, first of all. Draw near to God. Draw near to God in Christ Jesus and live in holy fear. In Psalm 27 and verse 9. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. You hear that? All my ways are before you. And what does the Christian... Lord, don't make it any different. The true child of God doesn't want God to be further away. The true child of God doesn't want God to turn his face from us. The true child of God does not want for one moment the Lord God of heaven to shut his eyes. But rather, oh God, look upon me. Keep your eye upon me. Do not turn away from me. Do not hide your face. I want to live before you. I want this sense of your nearness. I want this sense of communion. I want this sense of all my life being laid open before you. Brothers and sisters then, as you read the word of God, and I trust you do so day by day, as you do so, remember that the God of the word is speaking to you. That the truth of God is being set before you. Cultivate that sense of his voice heard and his eye felt. Look up to God as you study his truth. Cultivate that consciousness of his presence. I, I, don't, I don't particularly like it, but someone said, if you, want to, if you want to know what God says, read the Bible. If you want to hear him speak, read it out loud. But there is something true about that, isn't there? This is the word of God. When you read it, sometimes perhaps read it out loud to yourself. Let the sounds echo in your ears and remind yourself that the living God, by his living word, is speaking to me. That reality of communion, 
As you pray, seek after a sense of the affection of God toward you and the nearness of God with you. Put yourself day by day in his hands. When you're going into those difficult situations, when you're enjoying those particular blessings, remind yourself that God is your God and he is with you. There's a Latin phrase that reformers and Puritans used to use, quorum Deo. It means to live in the presence of God, to have that sense of his eye upon us. And my friends, if we are to speak like this and if we are to live like this, then we need to come to God through Christ Jesus. And if then there are those particular sins that grieve us, if there are those transgressions that make us say, oh God, how can I come to you? Where will you go? You need to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You have an advocate with the Father, even Jesus Christ the righteous. My friends, do not let your sins keep you from God. Let your sins carry you to God by Christ Jesus for the forgiveness that you need, that you might keep his precepts and his testimonies for all your ways are before him. Do not try and hide anything from God. And do not imagine that you trying to keep your distance from him somehow covers over your iniquities. Christ and his blood are the only things that will wash you clean and make you righteous in his sight. So come by Christ to God, trusting in the Saviour, drawing near to the Father. Instruction. Direction. Live then as one whose ways are before him. When that temptation comes, when that fear creeps in, when you're either ready to do something that you know that God forbids or you're, you're being drawn away or driven away or pushed away from something that God desires, tell yourself, all my ways are before him. All my ways are before him. And that should make you thoughtful. And it should make you careful. It should give you that, that consciousness that this is, this is carried out. Quorum Deo in the presence of the Almighty. Perhaps we need to ask ourselves, even thinking about this this week, there are things, can I, should I desire this before God? Can I and should I pursue this before God? Can I and should I speak these words in the presence of God? If all my ways are before him, can I write this email or this text or this letter? Can I go here if all my ways are before God? Can I do this if all my ways are before God? Can I sustain this attitude if the Lord discerns the thoughts and intents of my heart? Can I watch this program, this film, this YouTube clip, this Instagram reel, this TikTok, if all my ways are before him? Can I listen to this speech? Can I hear these words and please my father if all my ways are before him? I think it was John Wesley. 
I'm not suggesting that everybody needs to do this, and I think there can be some dangers in doing it, but he divided his day up into five-minute chunks, and at the end of every five minutes, he asked himself the question, have I honoured God with the last five minutes? I'm not sure I'd get anything done if I stopped every five minutes, but you get the point. All my ways are before you. Have I lived the last five minutes as if that were so? Instruction, direction, and comfort. Princes persecute me without a cause. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. People will impute all kinds of evil to you. They will persecute and they will accuse. God sees your intentions and God sees your actions. And there are times, my friends, and that's a profound comfort. I can't defend myself. No one else knows what's going on. Perhaps it's happened privately. Perhaps there are things that I could not say. But, O oh Lord, I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. You go back to Psalm 34 that we read earlier, verse 15. What is David's comfort? The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. You see the comfort there? Not, oh, God's looking at me again, but no, God's eyes are on me. Here I am in trouble and distress. Here I am even acting foolishly. And yet when I cry out, he hears me. For all my ways are before him. My heart and life are known before God as they really are. And if there are false accusations, if there are false imputations, if there are false suggestions, if my character is painted blackly, if I am persecuted without a cause, my heart stands in awe of your word. You know, O oh God, you know what my intention has been, you know what my desire has been. I cannot defend myself, but all my ways are before you. Then there is courage, instruction, direction, comfort, and courage. What is the great thing that often keeps you from keeping God's precepts and testimonies. The fear of man. What will my wife say? What will my husband say? What will my children say? What would my parents say? What will my friends say? What will my neighbours say? What will the person I'm about to tell about Jesus think of me when I've spoken to them about Jesus Christ? What will my colleagues say? If I start a Bible study at work, what will someone think if they find me praying at school? What kind of reputation would I end up with if I was part of a, a Christian union at university? If I stand apart from the kind of life that everybody else is leading? If there are certain paths down which I will not go, if there are certain things that I will do regardless of what anybody else thinks? What's going to keep you keeping God's precepts and testimonies? All my ways are before you. That's the secret of courage in so many instances. I live before the God of heaven. And obedience pleases him. Men may frown, but God is smiling. Men may strike, 
but the arms of Christ are around me. This is the most important thing of all to the person who lives before God, that he may be honoured and that he may be glorified. You see then why it's so important to cultivate this sense of the divine affection and divine communion and divine observation. In Psalm 73 and verse 23. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. So when I am, as they used to say, sweating cobs. You ever have that situation? You think you look all right back here or up here and and there's sweat running down your back? You're about to take a stand. You're about to do something. What is it that's going to put strength in your soul and steel, spiritual steel in your spine? I am continually with you. My ways are before you. And so I keep your precepts and your testimonies. Then there's hope. Hope because if God's eye is upon us, He will strengthen us for obedience and he will sustain us in obedience. Again, Psalm 27 verse 9. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. That means, my friends, that you and I as God's people, we can go into any situation into which duty calls us. We can pursue any course that is properly laid before us. We can face any challenge that we find in this world and we can go into it saying, I keep your precepts and your testimonies for all my ways are before you. You are not going to abandon me now. There may be thousands of them, but God still is with me. And then there is, finally, a warning. Because God does see everything. And he sees it all accurately. There's a warning there for God's people. Because our loving Father in heaven loves us enough to chastise us if we do not keep his precepts and his testimonies. Now that is in love and it is intended to bring us back into the way. And David knows that too. Go again to the last verse. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant for I do not forget your commandments. David is still hanging upon this God, still relying upon this God, still trusting in this God because the reverence that he has toward him and the relationship that he has with him. Allow him to trust him at all times. But my final warning is to those who have no reverence for God and who do not enjoy this relationship with God. You do not keep his commands. You do not keep his precepts. You do not keep his testimonies. And still... All your ways are before him. And that is a fearful thing. God sees the thoughts and intents of your heart. You cannot deny them. 
You cannot hide them and they must be answered for. And there are only two possibilities. Either that God will call you soon to account for your disobedience to his holy law and you will have to answer in the fires of judgment for your disobediences to him. Or God in mercy will put your sin to Christ's account as you cry out to him for salvation because you feel that you are a sinner. You know that you are a transgressor and until you have that life in Christ, you cannot and you will not keep his precepts and his testimonies. So come to him now. Call upon him now. Acknowledge your transgressions. Not long ago we read Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed the man who, to whom the Lord does not count iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And once you have done that, and once you know this God as your God, then you will be able to start saying, I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. Amen.